Good evening. Welcome back to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck sitting in for Alex Pearson, and this is On Point. Uh, there is a pretty big story developing uh, right now in Ottawa. Canada is weighing whether to reverse course and finally join the U.S. in defending against long-range ballistic, ballistic missiles. Um, this is something that hasn't been done for decades and uh, would be a real uh, change for Canada. I wanted to bring in our next guest to shed some light on what this all means for Canada, what this means for our military. Dr. Jane Bolden is a professor at the Royal Military College of Canada. Welcome to the program, Dr. Bolden. Thank you for having me. So tell me what's going on. Uh, uh, Why is Canada now reversing course in some some respect and uh, wanting to uh, beef up their defense with ballistic, ballistic missiles? So there's probably a few things going on. Um, We don't have a huge amount to go on. It was the story has come from a statement made this morning by the Minister of Defense, Anita Anand, saying Canada is considering this, but she didn't give much more by way of detail. My sense is that the few things that might be prompting this um, are the first one being the obvious one that we are in a situation where not just Canada, but other countries as well are reevaluating Russia as a a threat, not just um, what's going on with Ukraine, but Russia as a strategic threat over the next short and medium term. Um, And that includes the possibility that we are going to see a deeper conflict between the United States and and Russia um, in some form like we saw during the Cold War, ongoing tension. And in that context, we therefore need to evaluate whether or not um, we should be doing more as a country in terms of ballistic missile defense, because the Russians have developed, um, been developing new ballistic missiles and now look more threatening than they did recently. The other thing is an increasing awareness, which has been building for some time, and people will be very familiar with this, that the Arctic, um, which we share, or we, if you like, have a uh, almost a, we are within a region with Russia. I was going to say we share a boundary, but that's kind of a, not a, a correct way to put it. Um, and with the warming of the climate and with the opening up of um, the sea passageways in the Arctic, there's the possibility again of um, a greater um, threat from Russia. So I think probably a a few different things are playing into um, the decision to consider. She was very careful about that, that we are going to be considering joining ballistic missile defense. Is there um, a threat from the North? Is that uh, something that is becoming, like you talked a little bit about, uh, the waterways opening up, uh, what's been, you know, with Russia escalating its offensive in Ukraine. Are we becoming more and more vulnerable to something happening to us from that direction? Um, what's your take? It's all, it's a possibility. I think, you know, one of the reasons we think of the Arctic when we're talking about ballistic missiles is the uh, possibility, which has existed since nuclear weapons um, began to be deployed on ballistic missiles that were, you know, you hate to think about it, but that were Russia and the United States to exchange nuclear weapons, um, a number of them are likely to come across the Arctic. And so that's why there's a, we think in terms of defense um, systems in the Arctic, radar at minimum, 
and um, tracking Russian activity as a result of that radar. Um, are we more vulnerable more generally, not just from Russia, but in a, in a general sense, because the Arctic is um, has the likelihood that it's going to be more open? Um, yes, just in general. We have a contested waterway up there in the form of the Northwest Passage. There are a lot of countries that would be interested in using that. Um, so there's a lot of different security issues that come to the forefront for Canada as the Arctic changes. Now, switching gears a little bit, but still staying with Russia, uh, Lithuania joins Canada in recognizing Russia's actions in Ukraine as genocide. How significant is that, uh, that they've made this declaration? I think the significance is that the numbers are growing in, in making that determination. And it's part of the broader effort internationally to hold Russia and Russian leaders uh, to account for what's happening in the Ukraine. Um, which I think is is vital to, to one of the most important aspects coming out of this conflict, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later, um, which is to come bring the key actors, Russian leaders, Putin in particular, to account for what's been going on there. Because if we don't, then we continue to send a message internationally that this kind of, of activity um, goes unpunished, and it's, it won't deter other actors from following the same path. You know, Canada has been criticized in the past for not doing its part for uh, when it comes to military action. Uh, uh, it, it, do you think that uh, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visiting Ukraine, um, this announcement of possibly uh, an Anand possibly um, upping our ballistic missile program um, or creating it again? Uh, is this is this an effort to put us on the world stage as a as a as a country that is 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 doing its fair share, for lack of a better way of putting it, when it comes to our our military force? It's possible. I would say it's more likely to be an effort to put ourselves in that category vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. Um, we, if we are to engage in ballistic missile defense, it's going to be um, in partnership with the United States, as distinct from our broader relationship within NATO. Um, although Canada always cushions uh, its bilateral activities or contextualizes its bilateral activities with respect to defense um, um, with the United States in the context of NATO. But the bottom line is that ballistic missile defense in the form in which it's envisaged and has always been discussed you know, in 1985 and in the early 2000s um, and now is really about defending the North American continent. Um, and so this, to go to your point, I, I think you're right that it would help our image in terms of contributing militarily, but the primary um, recipient of that message in this case would be the United States. Um, yeah, I just mentioned how Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visited Ukraine uh, on Mother's Day on Sunday. Um, there was some criticism that he went too late. Uh, what is your reaction? Uh, was his visit successful? Was it too late? What, what, what's your reaction to that? I mean, it, if, I, I understand how it could be seen as too late. I think it made sense in the context of reopening the embassy um, it wasn't just Trudeau who was there. We had Christian Friedland. We had uh, Melanie Jolie, um, the uh, Minister of um, Global Affairs. 
Um, it was intended to um, not just show support for Ukraine, but also to um, symbolically reopen, reestablish our presence in the center of Ukraine, in the capital. Um, so that all, I think that all makes sense. That and that he is part of that. The separate question is, should he have done something else sooner other than that? Um, that's a tougher call. It's 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 a really difficult security situation. It's not easy to go there. Um, would it have accomplished something um, that needed to be accomplished? I'm 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 not a hundred percent convinced about that. I think the Ukraine. I think President Zelensky are very aware of Canada's support for them. Um, sending Trudeau there before now wouldn't necessarily have have changed that equation. Mm -hmm. President Zelensky also says that Ukraine hasn't received enough weapons to unblock Mariupol. Um, who needs to step up to make that happen? Where are we falling short in helping the Ukrainian people? Well, everyone um, needs to step up. I mean, the, it's important to remember, and it's easy to forget because the Ukraine has been so strong in its response. It's important to remember that they are up against one of the superpowers. And so... Um, everybody has been stepping up. We've been, Canada, other NATO allies, been providing a lot of um, uh, lethal arms and non-lethal military equipment. Um, but it's taking a lot and it's going to take a lot more to be able to deal uh, with Russia, um, to push Russia back. So um, some of the key equipment, so I, I, everybody continues to need to step up and to step up more. Um, some of the key military equipment is going to be more difficult to get as time goes on, simply because um, countries that have been providing it are running low on their own stores. And so we have to, you know, manufacture new equipment. Some of that's going to take time. Um, but I think um, everybody is um, continuing to work hard on that front, keeping in mind that more military equipment is um, you know, not just needed, but has to be, um, we always have to be aware of not pushing Russia um, to thinking that we are engaging directly with them in the conflict. So that has to be balanced against the type and the amount of equipment we're providing. And there, and there's some uh, data out today uh, from the UN Human Rights uh, Monitoring Mission saying that the death toll in Ukraine is is considerably higher, maybe thousands more than the official number. Um, what, what are your what are your thoughts when you hear that, that it might be much worse than we're actually um, hearing about? Yeah, I, it, sadly, it's not a surprise. It wouldn't be a surprise um, for a variety of reasons. Um, one, because, um, and this isn't exclusive to this conflict, it's always difficult um, to track the number of casualties uh, in real time, if you like, um, in these conflicts, um, precisely because it's an ongoing conflict and precisely because people are people's lives are disrupted and it's difficult to get to certain areas. So it's not unusual to have um, casualty figures change um, and come late, um, um, come later than the events themselves. Um, but the other aspect of that is, is again, also a very sad point, which is that it's been clear from the beginning that Russia has 
been not holding back at all in its targeting of civilians and its willingness to commit war crimes and its, and its determination to use brutal attacks on civilians as a, an intimidation tactic um, against the populations in various towns that it has been occupying. So unfortunately, I think not only are those numbers going to go up, but there are going to be um, stories similar to ones we heard when Russia first pulled back in some of the northern areas in terms of torture and um, um, killings, um, ex extrajudicial killings is the phrase sometimes used, um, um, than we've heard so far. I think we're going to hear more of them. Well, Dr. Jane Bolden, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak to us today about what's happening uh, in Ukraine, what's happening in Ottawa, Ottawa with our ballistic, ballistic missile defense. Uh, thanks for your time and your expertise. Thank you for having me. That's Dr. Jane Bolden, a professor at the Royal Military College of Canada. I'm Rubina Ahmed, Hawk, filling in for Alex Pearson. We'll be back after a quick break.